You're listening to The Watchers, a show where two women from opposite ends of New Jersey watch movies and TV about the worst case scenario of Thomas Jefferson's dream. <laughs> I thought you were going to say it was about arugula. About arugula. It's a vegetable. What's that? It's a vegetable. I haven't had arugula in six weeks. Oh, my God. Picked a silly one. You did pick a silly one. It wasn't sillier than I was expecting. It's as silly. This isn't a movie where, I mean, I've seen this movie in the last five years. I watched this movie. It's like, what am I? Put it on and feel good. Yeah. I just. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm upset. I'm Jody. <laughs> I'm Jody, and this is my father, Ed, <laughs> who I hug out with I have... last night while I watched this movie. I'm, I'm unwell. Yes. Um, Andrea may have a fever, and I am Jody. <laughs> and we watched my a dad heaven. movie, My Blue Heaven. Yes. Your dad had just impeccable taste, obviously. What I'm learning from this is that Andrea and my dad would have been buds. Like, you guys would have just true. liked all the same movies. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He loved it. Parents underdog. always love me, so I'm not surprised. Yeah. I'm like yeah. everybody's favorite, every parent's favorite friend. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I definitely, while watching this movie, realized why my dad liked it. It was so his sense of humor, and it was so silly and so dumb and so, like, uh... also there's, a, like, a Yankees joke right in the beginning, and he hated <laughs> the Yankees. I think I told you this, but, or maybe it was on a Jersey podcast, but um, that my dad very seriously said that I could never marry a Yankees fan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't I don't know if it came up on this podcast, but yeah. but I do know that, that and he was, was not joking. My house. No, he was very much not joking. Like so funny. I I could do pretty much anything and he would just roll his eyes. Like he didn't like that I had tattoos. He was like, "Why are you in art school?" All this mm -hmm. stuff. If I had brought home like a diehard Yankees fan, he would have had a real actual problem. I love that. So, it's so that is funny. Yeah. Um this was fun. It's so fun. I was looking at reviews. We'll get into all of that. But people being like, it it relies on a lazy stereotype. I'm like, yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Like, Should we talk about how the, the like last acceptable stereotype and group to make fun of is Italians? <laughs> That's a Pete Holmes bit that I really love. I know it is. Italian-Americans. <laughs> it's so like, I think we have to stipulate, though, that this is a very bad accent. Like, yeah. this is oh, yeah. so bad. I mean, We'll it's again. We'll, we'll get into it, but Steve Martin wasn't even supposed to play Vinny, and right. Nora Ephron, who wrote the movie, had to tell him it's not about the accent. It's about the. It's about the. I think the line is like, it's not about the accent. It's about the hyperactivity. And yeah. I kind of think I'm always waiting in this movie for you to find out that Vinny himself is faking the accent, right? The guy who he's based on, which we'll get into, yeah, um, <laughs> isn't. I mean, I know he's, he's, the accent is New York, I guess, but it's New York Italian, right? Like it's yeah. Italian American, New York, North or, you know, Jersey, whatever that right. accent. Um, and so I, the, my like headcanon is like, he's faking it anyway. And that's why it slip slides all over the place. Well, and the character person real life thing that he's based on was not actually italian american oh yeah i meant to say that out loud and i distracted myself correct <laughs> so that's you know all so the faking it part kind of makes sense with that yeah yeah wow steve martin what a gem what a gem 
like with most older movies that we do, I'm always like, are we going to find out that this person that I love from my childhood is a problem and a predator in some way? And, and as far as we know, he's not. And I'm so happy about that. And anybody you ever hear talk about him who knows him personally only has good things to say about him. He yeah. does seem lovely. I um, freaked a little bit when I saw how much younger his wife was. But I also, like I said off mic, like she was a full-on adult when they met. And it actually seems like a really sweet story. So Yeah. And if she wants to date an old man, she's allowed. I mean, it's Steve Martin. Like, yeah. you know, she probably gets like serenaded by banjo and they have a beautiful <laughs> art collection. I Which can't we wait will to hear definitely more about talk that. about. <laughs> also, Rick Moranis in this movie is maybe oh. peak. Can I say something without people getting mad? Like I yeah. love him. So I love Rick Moranis in general. I just think he's he can do no wrong in my eyes. But when he um, throws that guy, the ex husband, out, and they make him, they have him in his like undershirt. Yeah, <laughs> and I'm like, okay, okay. It's Rick. The only time in my life I've ever found Rick Moranis attractive. Uh, yeah, exactly. But I do. I just he's like this perfect little contained ball of like good to me yeah yeah no he's very sweet in this movie why don't you tell me and our listeners oh what this, this is movie gonna be is about. hard this movie goes all over the fucking place there's I'm a lot of plot keep... in this movie there's so much plot like i think too much plot like just i i'm afraid to criticize this movie i'm afraid you're gonna hate me forever <laughs> no you're good say what you gotta no. say and i don't have any real criticisms because it's not it's not trying to be something serious. Right. Like, it's not attempting to meet, say something really meaningful other than, like, maybe something about male friendship. But, okay. So this movie is about Vinny Antonelli. So Vinny Antonelli is a mobster from New York. He and his wife are being relocated to California near San Diego um, because he is informing on the mob. Um, when he gets to San Diego, he's being managed by Barney uh fuck his last name is so great and i've already forgotten it cooper smith Barney i didn't want to get it wrong smith. i knew you'd be mad <laughs> uh he is managed being handled by barney cooper smith um both of their wives leave them in short order uh barney's wife leaves him for a baseball player that she is uh the therapist of which is a violation a um, huge ethical violation yeah not okay not okay um and Vinny's wife leaves him because she doesn't want to live in the middle of nowhere in California and she wants to live in New York. Get that idea mm -hmm, fully. Mm -hmm. um, and then hijinks happen. Uh, Vinny keeps doing crimes because he just doesn't know how to do anything else. <laughs> he can't help himself. He just loves to do little crimes. They're so fun. <laughs> he does fun little crimes. You're so he right. He does fun little crimes. Barney is ex <laughs> exasperated with him all the time. Uh, there's some wow, that's if you had if I said tell me about this movie and you said Vinny Antonelli does fun little crimes and Barney Cooper Smith is, is is exasperated all the time. Yeah, I would say you nailed it. Yeah, that's the movie. Yeah, I mean that's the that's the gist. So there's some love interests that come in. Hannah Stubbs, the DA or assistant another DA. fantastic name. I know, uh, played by with with just our our love Joan Cusack. <laughs> um, I love her and everything. Uh, Vinny has a couple of love interests, one played by Carol Kane in a performance Sheldine. that- I, What a name! Another one! Oh my god. Carol Kane in anything. Perfect. Like, just, just put it in my veins. Okay, so um, Vinny has two love interests, really. One uh, played by Carol Kane as Sheldine, who mysteriously just leaves the plot when the other police officer- um, 
who has been pining over Vinny the whole movie, uh, <laughs> finally throws herself at him as a hostage. He makes the hair on the back of her neck stand up. He does, yes. Um, and there's this subplot with the local mobsters. Apparently, this is where they put all of the mobsters, this one small town. I know it's totally unbelievable because of, like, they'd... The they whole idea put them all in the same place, but it is so funny that there is this secret, yeah, crime community. Community of yeah, yeah. So he's still doing crimes. He runs into all his old buddies that have all been relocated to this one town, um, right by San Diego. And then the sort of culmination of the movie is the mob guys, I guess, start trying to find him and kill him. And at the same time, he's like. His new scam is raising money for the Little League field, but it's not really a scam because he's actually building the Little League field. And so at the end, Junkie, well, is he? And then Jim, <laughs> I see your face. <laughs> and at the end, Vinny and the other cop, whose name I actually don't know, maybe Crystal? Her name's Crystal. Good. Yep. Oh, wow. Look at me. Uh, so Bar- um, Vinny and Crystal fall in love and have a baby? Yep. And one of the... I'll get to that. One of the little nitpicks with the filming is that there's no way that baby is as old as it is, but <laughs> in the one year later time frame. Um, and Barney and um, Joe Cusack's character, Hannah, fall in love. And the Little League field gets built and there's trans pride flags everywhere. And <laughs> everybody's happy and everybody's wearing uniforms that look like Steve Martin's white suit. Oh my God. Uh, so funny. What a funny touch. And all the mobsters are dead and... You know, the mean ones that wanted to kill him. And then, oh, and all of the local mobsters that have been in witness protection are all working at the field doing various tasks. They're all doing uh, semi-honest work because they're they're selling selling peanuts and cassette players. (laughs) So good. And Sheldine and Linda, um, Vinny's first wife, are at the park. And they are both now married to the two hitmen who'd come out. (laughs) Everybody's friends now. It's fine. So I mean that's silly. actually kind of nice. Everybody's everybody's cool with each other. It's so sweet and so silly. My I think my Wait, favorite... I want to jump in real quick before yes. we get into it because I found our Jersey connection. Ooh. And I just since we're talking about Linda, mm-hmm. cuz I don't think we're going to talk much about Linda going forward cuz she's not yeah. a huge part of the movie, but Linda's played by Deborah Rush who's been in a million things. Um but she was born in Chatham, New Jersey. Oh, that's nice. Could you me one I could find? That's amazing. She's also married to um, the son of uh, Walter Cronkite. Oh. Yeah. She married a uh, into the journalism family. That's amazing. Yeah. Okay. I just had to get our little Jersey connection in there. That's perfect. That was a great one. <laughs> it's only one I had. So can I ask you something? Uh-huh. If we're psychoanalyzing little Andrea uh-huh. as a child... Why was this a movie that gave you such comfort? Can you can you can you uh, think back? Yeah, I think we've, it's... We, we've talked about how you're the you're the John Candy and I'm the Molly Ringwald, but yeah. like, why did yeah, this movie? Come I've to been your watching mind? this movie since I was so young. Like, I know. When did this movie come out? Ninety. It's like quite. I don't remember seeing in this in the theater. I was only four, um, but it is quite possible I was dragged along. Like I don't remember not knowing this movie. So um, my friend Ryan, who's a year or two younger than me, le- literally texted me last night and said that he saw this in the theater. <laughs> <laughs> Which it and is, he's, you know, he would have been. I don't know. 
How old was I in 1998? 14. So he would have been like 12. I mean, Steve Martin's a clown. It's mm-hmm. it's a very bright, like, if we're really thinking about it, it's a very bright movie. It's, like, kind of slapsticky. There are dance yeah. numbers. It's very sweet. Mm-hmm. I also have always, this is, I, I don't know what, but I've always loved a movie where there's not, like, a huge conflict. Yeah. I, whenever we get to the part in a movie where I'm supposed to be, like, really worried, that so I'll get a little too anxious. Yeah. And I really, that doesn't really happen in this movie. Even like, when the mobsters are trying to kill them, you know they're not going to. No, it's it's so silly. Yeah. Um, and There's no way. The first time they show up, it's during a dance number, and a falling chandelier is what saves them. And then we cut to a hotel room where the two of yeah. them are, like... They're basically like in bed telling secrets together. <laughs> yeah. It's just, I, yeah. I love this. I have always loved a movie that's just about people becoming good friends. I don't know yeah. what, you know, Aww. I really love a, a like enemies to lovers uh-huh. story. And that's what this is. That is what this is. Yes. These... This definitely has some like, I wouldn't even say queer undertones. They're like no. overtones. This movie is a romance like, yeah. b- between these two. And, and I was saying to you off mic. The parts of it that feel very tender and like sweet between the two of them aren't played for laughs. Like no. when 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 Vinny is teaching Barney how to dance and he yeah. like puts his hands on his hips, they do a little close up of it. Yeah. But it's not in like a, isn't it funny these are two men touching each other? Way. Right. It's like a, isn't it funny these two kind of like opposite oddballs are starting to bond and isn't that like sweet and kind of yeah. silly that this is how they're doing it? Well, and then he grabs his butt, and I thought for a second that that was going to be like ew, gay, whatever, because yeah, that's so no. common in those movies from that time yeah. where like you know. It it could have been a moment of conflict, and instead it was just like silly. Yeah, yep. I I don't even think Barney like he doesn't really react reacts. An no. important thing to know is this movie was written by Nora Ephron. Like this right. movie was written by a woman who writes some of our like. I mean, she's she's yeah. when Harry met Sally. Like she's yeah. the romance like qu- queen. Yeah. <laughs> so it you know it's not totally surprising that this movie. Yeah. Is all yeah wall to wall romance. It really is. Like, that's the focus. I like. The, I feel like the mob plot line is just incidental to the fact that, like, I mean, there's literally a title card that says everybody falls in love. Like, <laughs> that's, that's like point. the thesis of this movie. I, the title cards are, I meant to pull up a list of them. Yeah. I'm sure I that. Took, I took photos of some of them on my phone uh, because they were funny. Because they're all from uh, Vinny's perspective, too. Mm-hmm. So it's like Vinny is telling the story. Yeah, well, it's teasing the fact that at the end you find out he's written his book. Yeah, um, which I knew was going to happen as soon as I saw the how to write, you know, how to write yeah. a book kind of thing. And he's like taking notes the whole time. Should we yeah. talk about now the inspiration, the background, yeah, and the background for this movie? People may know this already. I didn't because I had never. I, I know this yeah. movie, but I've never seen it. Yeah, I think if if you're it is the like first thing you learn about this movie if yeah. you endeavor to learn about this movie, but there's no reason for a person to do that unless yeah. this They're is you. a movie they are. Yeah, exactly. This um, is a wild fact, though. Yeah. So this is wild. It is so funny. Also, my like favorite thing about this movie is it came out a month, a full month before Goodfellas. Uh huh. I know. Because if you ask somebody. 
what the inspiration was for this movie if they didn't know right if right. they didn't know anything you might say oh like movies like goodfellas and the godfather like yep. really yep blew up and this is a parody of those movies but not i mean yes but no yeah exactly it's in the same universe mm-hmm. yeah but so yeah. um nora Efron was married to I always want to say Mitch Pelegi, who is the guy from um he's one of the actors in the X Files. Nicholas Pelegi. <laughs> Nick, yeah. Nick P- or Pelegi, I never know. I don't know. Um uh but he wrote Wise Guy, mm-hmm. which is the book that Goodfellas is based on. Mm-hmm. And it is the it is the like written account of Henry Hill, who was yes. like a, an informant on the mob yep um who's who again goodfellas and wise guy who he's informed on the mob he was like awaiting trial i think is when he started doing this and he started calling Mm -hmm. nicholas pelegi and just telling him these stories and that became wise guy nora efron was living with married to nicholas at the time and she got to talking to henry hill as well and she would also hear nick's stories that henry would tell him right and the ones that were like that seemed too silly for goodfellas ended up being in my blue heaven like it's like the it's like you know you know the movie twins yes Danny DeVito and Arnold Schwarzenegger and Arnold Schwarzenegger gets all the good DNA and Danny DeVito gets all the silly DNA. That's my blue heaven and good (laughs) fellas. Yeah, it really is. I have a fun quote that you may have read from this article about the background. Um, It says, according to, um, because I think Henry Hill also wrote a book. um, Yeah, after. Well, because he went. Yeah, so Goodfellas is up through. Have have you seen Goodfellas recently? Mm -hmm. Um, and maybe in the past eight or nine years, I haven't, this is, we should just, there's a montage of me saying about inappropriate movies. I haven't seen Goodfellas since I was a kid, but (laughs) I I was six when I saw Goodfellas. (laughs) Truly. Like, I can picture watching that movie in my grandparents' basement. Um, and so, but Goodfellas ends Mm -hmm. when Henry turns informant. Yeah. My Blue Heaven picks up directly after yep. it's basically and he really sequel. did yeah he really did go into witness protection and was removed from the program because he couldn't because he stop doing, doing crime, crime. <laughs> and i think i love thing, that this is a very jury this is the very um go ahead read your quote and then i'll okay. say the i'm gonna say <laughs> okay i just thought this was really funny so there's a quote from Henry Hill. It says, according to the ex-gangsters 2007 book, Gangsters and Goodfellas, he would get half-gassed and call Nick in New York just to bullshit. It was like therapy for me. Sometimes Nick's wife, Nora, would answer the phone and say, hey, Nick is sleeping. What's the matter, Henry? This is Aunt Nora. Hill would talk to Aunt Nora, but said he had no idea she was picking his brain for a script. That's my favorite part. When I saw My Blue Heaven, I flipped because she used some of the stuff I had told her on the phone for her movie scenes. She took a combination of me and alleged mafia operator Michael Francesi who she had read about in the papers. I never got a penny for it, but Nick had been so generous with me that I just let it slide. Had it been anyone else's wife, dot, dot, dot. That is, that is so, so mob coded. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or not even mob coded because he no. wasn't the mob. Yeah. Like the idea of like, well, you know, her family always did right by me. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. Her family always did right by me. So I'm not going to murder his wife for taking my story. It's yeah. so funny. It That leads into what I was going to say, which is if you didn't grow up in an area that had a heavy mob influence, mm-hmm. which like New Jersey, so North, 
I always forget that. That it's <laughs> like unless you live in like Rhode Island, I Chicago. Yeah, I um, move from one to the other. Well, it makes sense that you like Rhode Island. I feel like it's got mm-hmm. some of the shady under a oh, lot it's of. Nor- it's basically the- northern New Jersey. Yeah. And so South Jersey, we have the Philly mob. It's different. Um, but but we have one. <laughs> and I, I'm not – and I've never been – there's no reason for me to be afraid of it. Yeah. <laughs> like – and in fact, like – I I can't claim to be like to have any I don't think anybody listening thinks that I'm about to say that I have mafia ties. But it's just it just is around, especially when yeah. I was younger. And yeah, you same. always knew who the families were. Yeah. But it was never I was never afraid. They all kind and of felt not to be like a, Yeah. Not to be a mob apologist, but they also do <laughs> things for the community that the community won't just, do for itself. Just gonna say. I'm not apologizing for the mob. I don't condone murder or racketeering or any of those things. But I well, will I say that think... Rhode, uh, Providence, Rhode Island, uh, re-elected Buddy Cianti after he'd been in prison <laughs> because he had, like, revitalized the downtown area. The only people who have to worry about the mob are the people who get involved with the mob. Yeah. Like, if you just live in an area where they're, you know, like, heavily involved and invested in your community. Yeah. Like, no, you don't I have a whole lot to worry about as long as you, like, mind your mind your. Yeah. Own. No, there's all sorts of stories about, like you know, the, the, the positive things. Um, I do want to also just quote from this other same, from the same article in mental floss that, uh, Nora Ephron says about Henry Hill in real life was put into witness protection. He was sent to Redmond, Washington, the bicycle capital of America, (laughs) which I didn't know was the bicycle capital of America, where he single-handedly started a crime wave because there was no crime there. And we kept so getting all funny. these collect phone calls from Henry asking for <laughs> bail and other various forms of assistance. So, like, that's the he did right by me. I'm not going to kill his wife bit. Exactly. Yep. Yeah. It is. It's just. It's, it's so funny. It's so funny. It's like one of those things where it's like. The, the fact that there is so much truth to this movie. Yeah. Is. And it's such a silly movie. It's such. It's. It's just Steve Martin is a full-on clown. When I read the quote where she said, because you texted me when you're watching this, like, his accent is horrendous. And it is. It's bad. But I don't think it matters. Like, no, not at all. And in fact, um, originally, the casting for this movie is yeah, is really interesting. Originally, Steve Martin was supposed to play... Um, barney cooper smith mm-hmm. which you could see him play in that like yeah. buttoned up i think he'd be a little less like uh milk toast a little less hapless and a little more um just straight laced yeah or he could then, have been more slapstick than than like in terms of being a a dork right right you know yeah i, I think steve martin can play it either way yeah yeah um i don't know that and i again i love rick moranis um i don't know that he has both sides of that in him you know right um so but they um oh also the first like actor um attached to this movie was goldie hawn right to play hannah stubbs mm-hmm. um and and i i love goldie hawn we we've talked about her we, you know we did death becomes her yeah um, i think she's fantastic uh, I think she's a little, and I mean this with love for both of these actors, I think she's a little too, like, vibrant mm-hmm. for somebody named Hannah Stubbs. Yeah. Like, even when in Death Becomes Her, when they try to, like, schlub her up, it just right. doesn't, it doesn't work. work. It's Goldie Hawn. Yeah. And, and Joan Cusack is 
you know, lovely and beautiful. And but she but just she knows has that like sort of like <laughs> I we had a conversation last night that we may or may not <laughs> elaborate on where we were trying to figure out which one of us was Vinny and which one of us was uh, <laughs> Barney. <laughs> But I think in reality, I might be closer to Hannah. <laughs> Is that what feels right to you? Like just kind of a wet blanket. <laughs> Like, okay, Hannah is not a wet blanket. Neither are you. But Hannah, <laughs> Hannah's a little bit of a wet blanket, isn't she? She likes, she likes things to go by the book. Mm-hmm. She likes rules. She likes when people do the things that are fair. She likes consequences. <laughs> and murdering turtles. I think she's probably a Libra. <laughs> she's very invested in justice. And it's obvious to say that Vinny's a Leo, right? Oh, is yeah. that too obvious? No, it is not. I think he might be, oh, I think he might be an Aquarius moon, though, because boy, is he a weirdo. Like, for for a guy in the mob, he really has some, like, silly, like, kind of out there. What's Barney, though? Pisces? Mm. Oh, that's good. I think maybe Pisces. Pisces is good. Or, like, Taurus, maybe. Taurus was my first thought. Taurus would fit. They're both in his big three. Yeah, 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 for sure. Um, anyway, back Why to casting. Why is this a segment every single episode? It should be. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so uh, back to casting. Goldie Hawn left. Yes. Um, and if things had gone as intended, Steve Martin was going to play Cooper Smith and Schwarzenegger was going to play Antonelli. <laughs> I know. So I can see why Efron was like not the, worried about the Vinny's accent. The accent doesn't matter. Yes. No. But God, would I love to have heard Schwarzenegger... Would the Italian mobster? Well, what do you think they would have done? Because at this point, he was so famous, and we kind of just let him do. It, we like pretended his accent didn't exist a lot yeah, of the time. We he did. could just kind of be in whatever. Yep. So I feel like it could have gone either way. Yeah. But I would have loved to have heard his Italian accent so much. His. I, we need to stop saying Italian accent. I'm sorry. Um. Or I need to. His... Wait. Can I describe the accent to you based on a quote from The Atlantic in 2015? Yes, please. <laughs> As I am wont to do. Uh-huh. Um, uh, Megan Garber of The Atlantic wrote, Martin spends the film affecting an accent that is 80% Don Corleone, 15% Arthur Fonzarelli, and 5% Super Mario Brother. Perfect. <laughs> okay. Perfect. Anyway, I just had to get that off my chest. And so you can see why, not too concerned, we we just let Steve Martin play in that accent. Yeah. Um, and Schwarzenegger left to do Kindergarten Cop, mm-hmm. which is another movie that I... I haven't seen it in a long time, but boy, did I I love that movie. Oh, I loved that movie. I can't. And uh, so they had trouble. They couldn't find another Vinny. So Efron was like, hey, Steve, how about you play Vinny? He was like, I don't know if I can do it. I don't know about the accent. I don't know. But she was like, it's not about the accent. It's about the hyperactivity. We'll also say Vinny Antonelli has ADHD. Like oh, so much, sure. of, so much of Vinny is about like poor impulse control. Yes, like that's his biggest issue. Yes, he's never still. There's not a moment in this movie where no. he is still for any second. He's, I, I love him. Yeah. Um, and then you know if you've got Barney Cooper Smith open for cast, it's you, gonna it's who else but Rick Moranis? Yeah, he was originally. I think she wanted him originally, but he uh-huh. wasn't available when they first were gonna. Um, and I think there was the like movie. a strike or something I read yeah, that, there was a that pushed things back. Yep. Yeah. Also, Danny DeVito turned down Vinny. Can you imagine? 
I mean, the thing is, I can't. I think part of one of the things that works with Vinny is that he's not he doesn't he's not italian he doesn't really make sense no he's I know. like a, he kind of feels like a fish out of water anywhere yeah like because that's what this movie is right it's yeah and there's so many i you know I, i'm gonna say a hundred times like they don't make movies like this anymore but that <laughs> plot that that fish out of water story that i love so much i just watched captain ron for the first time oh after god that's right i made my roommate watch this and they were like well we got to watch captain ron which is <laughs> like the same it's not the same movie it's very different but it is a buttoned up martin short yeah um with a really loose free kurt russell Mm. just totally upending his life right Um, and it is i I don't know why i'm a sucker for these well and it's funny because in this movie i that that trope is so so common Mm -hmm. the like bob yeah exactly exactly but what I found fun about this movie was that there was less time where Barney was exasperated. Yeah. You know, it was a shorter... He was charmed earlier than I expected him to be. And, mm-hmm. like, the second half of the movie is more about how his life is improved by letting go and being a little looser. Yeah. And, like... And how, like, he doesn't... Yeah, he, like, he buys in pretty early. He's and not it's, fighting it the whole time. Totally. And it's so sweet. Yeah. It's, like, really lovely. Yeah. I the scene when he is at the work function or whatever and he wants to dance and he has learned from Vinny that you should just tip everyone and he's so smooth and he goes over that's right um and he i agree with oh absolutely yeah absolutely yeah um and he goes over and hands the band leader he like mm-hmm. he does the very smooth and leans in and then the music changes and we have another dance number um makes me so happy it's just yeah. like look at him go he's doing it yep i we have to talk about the dance number the dance numbers we have to because i texted you a little video last night being like this was worth it regardless of what i thought about this movie which i like the movie but <laughs> but bill Irwin, who played his um barney's partner he's also great do you know what his background is? Can I, I share information I... with you about this movie that you may not already know? Please. He is a graduate from Oberlin in theater arts. He is also a graduate of Ringling Brothers and Barnum and Bailey's Clown College. Stop it. In Florida. That's why he can do that with his body. That's amazing. He also received a MacArthur Genius Grant in 1984. He's gotten, wow. he's nominated for four Tony Awards. He was selected for the International Clown Hall of Fame. Stop it. What? And was inducted in 1999. He's a, he's like a Holy. super impressive. He was in, oh, this is another fun one. He was in Bobby McFerrin's Don't Worry, Be Happy video with Robin Aww. Williams. That's so nice. like, there's a reason he stole those scenes. It's so funny because I know him. He's in a ton of stuff. Yeah. Like if you've seen Lady in the Water, if you've seen Igby Goes Down, if you've seen, I, I mean, any I knew I Elmo recognized him. show yeah. apparently. Um, yeah. Interstellar. He's in um, <laughs> another Jersey connection. He's Ooh. in an episode of The Adventures of Pete and Pete. Oh, nice. Um, he's been, I mean. But he's in the Clown Hall of Fame. That's why he can do that. 
amazing. Those dance it's scenes are so fun to watch. Fucking incredible. The joy, uh, the like irrepressible joy of him on the sidelines, just dancing with himself. Do you know what it reminds me of a what? little bit? Um, uh, I always think of the scene in Empire Records when, uh, and not that Ethan Embry is nearly the dancer that he is, yeah. but when uh, Say No More is playing and mm-hmm. the girls are dancing and um, Mark is kind of like off to himself and he sort of like starts to dance a little and he, yeah. can, he like can't contain himself. Yeah. It reminds me of That's that. That's what it is. It's, that, it's like that irrepressible, like it's coming from inside. He just mm-hmm. has to move his body. It's so cute. Like yeah. I, like for me, that stole the the show he's he's so charming throughout this whole movie even before that there's yeah. that part where he so wants to go undercover no oh, matter he what wants to go undercover so bad um there's a really beautiful and flowery description he's mr noodle wait what he's mr noodle what's mr noodle elmo's friend oh how didn't i know he's mr noodle Oh, yep, he is. Oh, he so is, Mr. N- oh, my God. <laughs> I mean, I didn't know because he always has a big mustache and he's, you know, yeah. 30 years older. But of course, oh, God, I love him. Aww. Wow. I'm, you just watched me become Mr. Bill Irwin's number one fan. Yeah. Well, it's, uh, the reason I didn't realize that is because I am 10 years older than you. And Elmo was not a thing when I was a child and watching Sesame Street. He was not Mr. Mr. Noodle was not a character when I was a child, but I was a, a nanny. I was a living nanny oh. for a few years and they loved Mr. Noodle. Got it. Loved Got it. Mr. Noodle. Um, He's so charming. <laughs> Aw. Can I read a, this is like, I just want to read quotes today. Can I read this quote from the LA Times? Yeah. So this is from the, <laughs> this is from the review in 1990 of this movie. Um, And they're talking about the dance scene. And it says, this dance, too, is charming stuff in the pinky mauve twilight, but it's overshadowed by Moranis' white starch shirt buddy in the bureau, Bill Irwin, who gets merengue mad watching from the sidelines. First (laughs) one foot snakes out, then a leg, then a ripple shudders through him, then his whole body seems electrified by the rhythms. His legs are rubber, his arms wrap around his own own body in an erotic paroxysm. I can't say that. Paroxysm? I think then, that's right. Then as his superiors turn in a gassed eye, the moment is over as astonishingly as it began. It's just such an amazing description so of that good. moment. Oh, that's so nice. Yeah. I, love I that. Bill Irwin, I think, is my I I almost said my favorite part of this movie. As a person who used to dance a lot, like that joy of like just letting loose, like I used to consider myself a dancer. Mm-hmm. Um it was a big part of my like twenties and thirties and teens. Well, we talked about um, my cheerleading days. Well, we did talk about your cheerleading (laughs) days, but we talked about uh, your your swing dancing days, Mm -hmm. which is where I met my friend Ryan, who is the one who saw this in the theater when he was a child. Uh, Okay, I love that. Probably during girls just want to have fun. That would be when. Yeah, yeah. But I've been dancing since I was a little kid, and so Mm -hmm. just that. I just loved watching the way he could move his body. It was so amazing. He, I understand why you're you want to say this is your favorite part he's your favorite part of the movie even if that's not the case like yeah he really is the like unsung like steve martin is being so big and mm-hmm. so silly in this movie that it can be easy to overlook somebody like bill Irwin who is just yeah but 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 except for the fact that he just steals that scene 
Well, he's got the sort of like, he's sort of the in-between of Steve Martin and Barney. Like he's got the uptightness of being like a cop and like wanting to go undercover, but he's also got like the under underneath goofiness where he like mm-hmm. just kind of like it explodes out of him every now and then. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, other sort of behind the scenes casting and other things that I found. Um, did you know that the cinematographer is the same one that did Groundhog Day? Oh, perfect. <laughs> a lot of other things too, but that was the one that I was like, huh. The cast in this movie is just, I mean, it's like lights out. Like Joan mm-hmm. Cusack, Daniel Stern. I know. Ed Lauder, who's also yeah. a real genius. Uh-huh. William Hickey. Yeah, who apparently unreal. Barbara Streisand studied under William Hickey hmm. at the HB studio in the village. Interesting. Wild. Just like an amazing cast. Also an amazing soundtrack. Great soundtrack. Such great soundtrack. I think I texted you. This is so jaunty. Uh-huh. I was like bouncing around on the couch, like listening to the music. Yeah, it's a great I my Blue Heaven, it's a great song. Yeah, but also there was um I Can't Help Myself, New York, New York, mm-hmm. like Surfing USA, all of these like <laughs> classic, you know, old rock and roll songs. What a day for a mo, huh? <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, God. Yeah. I also do think that this, I now also understand why my dad loved this movie because it is a love story about baseball also. Mm-hmm. Totally. And my dad was the world's biggest baseball fan. Like mm-hmm. he knew trivia about baseball's history like no one I've ever met. And he was the world's biggest Mets fan to yeah. the point where I am still convinced, um, don't don't tell anyone this, um, that one of these days I'm going to sneak onto City Field and like... <laughs> drop some of his ashes um even in the parking lot because that's where shay used to be Uh uh-huh um but that's that's sort of my my someday i'm gonna sneak out there and because that's the only place he would want to be is shay stadium um and so the sort of the side plot about baseball being this like thing that brings people together like Steve Martin brings Rick Moranis and um, Joan Cusack together at the baseball game to try like, to like, hook them up. What a surprise seeing you here. Yeah. It's like you, you invited, invited me. me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, and that the kids, you know, they're playing Little League. And mm-hmm. it's and then at the end, the culmination is this stadium and everybody works there and everybody's... And the mom is paying off the umpires. So funny. Yeah. I Again, I love... That's the other thing about this movie, the like the like integrated communities mm-hmm. there's something very that i just find really sweet and feel good about yeah. that the mom like, that is kind one of, of the only ones too that has like an actual italian accent yeah she's she's really funny when she's like yeah. crying and he's yeah. handcuffed to barney when they come in for the yeah. first trial and then you <laughs> vinnie disappears like Barney eventually agrees to uncuff him so he can go hug his mom. Vinny yeah. disappears and you find out immediately that she was in on it. Yeah. She flips him off. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, oh, she's great. Really her good. and the actress that played Philomena, her daughter, uh-huh. both have actual, to me, real sounding like Italian or Italian-American accents. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't I don't know who they, they yeah. are, but I wouldn't be surprised to learn that. Um yeah, the the baseball there I also the baseball scene I love so much because Vinny is teaching he's like he's become like a like a fun uncle 
for the boys. Yeah. He's like, when Hannah says she doesn't want a hot dog and right. when he wants his one of the brothers, who's Jesse Bradford, by the way, takes yeah. his wallet out of his pocket. It might be the other one who does that. And then he's like, never take your wallet out of a baseball game. And he teaches them how to pickpocket. Like, he's, yeah. like that all happens there and is very sweet. And he's a funkle. He's a funkle. He is funkle Vinny. Yeah. My Funkle Vinny. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> nice. Um, what is your relationship to baseball? Do you have one? My grandfather, my grandfather loved it, loved it, loved it. He was such a Phillies fan. And I grew up, my grandparents, like, I, I have, um, I mean, I guess theoretically everybody has a mom and a dad, but I have a mom and a dad. <laughs> um, but my grandparents really raised me. Yeah. Um, so baseball is always in the background, but like it never it never clicked with me Got um it. i'm on uh, nhl like hockey is the only sport i have any interest right in. i thought i remembered that but like i've only ever been to one baseball game and it was the trenton thunder like oh wow yeah yeah no so. i have an extremely romantic relationship with baseball like Growing up, my dad, like I said, was obsessed with the Mets. He also was obsessed with other sports. Like he was a full time, all he was, year he round was a sports dad. He was a sports dad. He never yeah. really played sports. He was not athletic at all. But he uh -huh. that doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. He, In fact, it almost yeah. Like the people who get really obsessed with it often with sports yeah. often don't play them. Yeah, he was a huge fan of the underdog. No. so like he always liked the teams that lost like he mm -hmm. they they all had these moments where they won so he liked the islanders um he loved the islanders and they had that stretch from 80 to 84 and that was basically it oh totally he was a jets fan he was a nets fan and he was a mets fan he liked teams that rhymed um <laughs> but baseball was his first big love and mm -hmm. he he was a Brooklyn Dodgers fan until they moved. And then he refused to root for the other two New York teams because they were American League teams. That's funny. And so when the Mets started in 62, he was like, I guess this is my team. This is my team now. Um, but growing up, like every road trip, we had WFAN on in the car. Like I, the, I want to talk about the cars in this movie also because – one I of the said first... the same thing to my roommate when we were watching. Yeah. We, you and I comment always on these, but like, man, is that what a perfect way to set a scene. I know it wasn't scene setting because it was just when this movie was filmed. Yeah. Like, But, but boy. So one of the first cars that we see in this movie is a Chevy Caprice Classic, which uh -huh. we had. Uh, it was my grandpa's car that he gave to us. Are you trying to say Capiche? No, I'm not. <laughs> I'm trying to say Caprice. Um, <laughs> but literally, when I think about driving around my parents as a kid listening to sports radio, I am lying down in the back seat of a Caprice Classic. Like, I love that. A blue one with blue vinyl interior. Like, that was the car that I just, like, I slept in the back of while my dad listened to, Bet to Mets games. And so That's seeing funny. that right away, I was like, ooh. Yes. I have horrible motion sickness, car mm -hmm. sickness, and sports radio. Like, if if it was on now where I'm stationary, safe in my studio, I would immediately start feeling nauseous because it also reminds wow. me of riding around in my pub-ups car yeah. trying not to throw up. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, it's such a soothing memory to me to the point where when I finally moved away from New York City in 20... 2005-ish, end of 2005, I realized that you could, at night, when the signal was stronger, get WFAN 
on the radio in Providence. And so I would fall asleep listening to them talk about the Mets. That's so nice. And like, you know, I mean, we've talked about the fact that, you know, my dad is dead um, and has been for about 12 years now. And I have not followed baseball since. It was like our thing. And I used to go to Mets games. When I worked in New York, I had um, our company was partnered with a company that had season tickets. And so whenever they couldn't use them, they'd give them to me because they knew I was a huge Mets fan. And I just call mm-hmm. my dad from the stands and be like, Hey, I'm here. Cause my, our seat, the seats were good. And so like, sometimes I could like, hope he would see me, you know, yeah. if the foul ball went the right way. Aww. So yeah, I like literally haven't followed baseball since 2011 for that reason. But this movie kind of like, does it make you want to kind of seek it out a little bit? Um, I mean, it doesn't, it doesn't, because I think that there's also like a sadness associated with it, but there was mm-hmm. so much like, it just, this whole movie was just like hanging out with my dad. Um, it really Again, was. Seems and the like cars. he had impeccable taste. So yeah. That's, that's yeah, he great. did have impeccable taste. But I, I do think that, so about the cars, like mm. there's the, you know, classic Ford Crown Vic cop car that used to be the thing that would strike fear into your heart when you were driving on the road. Yeah, right. But Rick Moranis also drives the same car I drove in college. Which was a... <laughs> Chevy Corsica. It was a terrible car. It just feels so good to see those cars. My first car was an Oldsmobile Cutlass Sierra. Of course and I, it was. Maroon. Oh, it had to be maroon. <laughs> with the wood paneling. I loved it. That's I the loved. exact car that I picture you driving in yep, like high yep. school and college. I would drive that car today. Yeah. <laughs> like I loved, I yeah. loved that car. Yeah. I can still feel the like uh, upholstery under my fingertips. Yes. Yeah. What a... The Chevy Corsica, there's this scene in the movie where Steve Martin is driving it and he's putting all the change in the back. That's the car. <laughs> and he closes the trunk and, the, and the, it goes onto the ground. That car, this is such a random thing. That car notoriously was light in the back. And so whenever you, oh. I mean, maybe not notoriously, notoriously to the people that drove it. Right. Because in the winter in New Jersey, when the roads were slippery, you would, uh, would fishtail you like a mad person. Like I thought you were going to say motherfucker, which felt very out of character for you. I was really excited you for a second. You like a motherfucker. Like a motherfucker. Um, <laughs> no, but you would to the point where I had to put like bags of kitty litter in the back of the car so that I wouldn't go crazy and Jody, like, fly I off am the road. Thrilled to hear you say this because we commented on it. I'd never thought about it before, but yeah. my my roommate said like you need a lot more change in the trunk of that car to make nope. it. But apparently not for a Corsica, huh? The back of that car weighs nothing. That's and so good to know. Yeah. And it, I think it was rear wheel drive too. It was just the worst car to drive ever in bad weather. You would just slide all over the place from the back. That's really funny. Yeah. Huh. Interesting. Yeah. I will. That's my connection to my dad with this movie is he always had one of those water jugs just filled to the brim with change. Yeah. He was one of those. Oh my God. Yeah. We didn't have, we didn't have uh that giant jug of change have i, I know told people have though my dad's quarters story on this podcast or just on the i think it's just on the other one you can tell it though it's funny my dad there are two things is that my dad never spent change it was a weird i, I genuinely think it was an ocd thing like mm-hmm. he was diagnosed ocd that's not me being he was so ocd right that like and and also he didn't trust things like credit cards he was like very my dad like, either that's so funny maybe it's it's probably their generation it's an old man like, thing like yeah, yeah he did not trust credit cards at all probably in my case it's because my mom used to spend way too much money on them <laughs> oh so that might be it yeah. but for my dad he just was so weirdly worried about people stealing his identity i'm not totally sure why it's yeah. not like he was like a but anyway 
Um, so he always used cash, but he never spent change. So he just mm. always had change at home. And then another thing is that my dad, this is a, this is a difficult confession for me. <laughs> and I just want our listeners to know, I trust all of you to hear this with an open heart. He gave out quarters for Halloween. Oh, I'm so sorry. 50 cents every kid. Oh, I'm so sorry. And so he would get That's rolls really of quarter. Hard. It's, I mean, really. Like, That's really hard. Yeah. Thank you. you thank you so much. Thank wow. you for holding space for me. For I this. didn't know that about you. And I, uh, yeah. 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 <laughs> so Trauma my dad's real. Yeah. So it's one of the things like, it's a good thing. My parents were divorced. There were a lot of reasons. And one was I didn't have to grow up in the quarters house for Halloween. Thank God. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but he would buy rolls of quarters every year for Halloween and then kids stopped coming to the house, but he would keep <laughs> buying rolls of quarters. And just in case. It's like, well, and I was talking to my, uh, one of my friends about this who also has OCD. And I was like, I don't know why he didn't just use the quarters from the year before. Right. And she was like, well, those were last you know, year's those quarters. Were 1994's quarters. What do you mean? <laughs> you need new quarters for 95. Oh my God. Amazing. And so when he moved out of the house that he lived in when I was growing up into a smaller house, and he just had so much change that he was ever going to spend. And so he told me, he was like, if you want to come over and pack this change up, you can just have it. And then I had to call him from the bank and be like, there are $2,000 <laughs> worth of quarters here. Are you sure? Like, yeah. you just. And so, and I remember going to the bank in my Oldsmobile Cutlass Sierra with the. With a jug in the back that with like a made jug, a drag. With two, two actually big jugs and then a bunch of coffee cans in the back. But oh that, my God. That Oldsmobile was not. I mean, you would have had to put a crane on the back of that car for it, it to react. It was much like, better made than the Chevy Corsica. Yeah, that thing was a tank. So yeah. that's my, my connection <laughs> to putting lots of change in the trunk of a car. That's amazing. What is it with dads and not trusting, like, banks? Yeah. He was so funny. He was really, like, he had a credit card because he was also very, like, um, prop like not proper is not the right word but it was like people started getting credit cards and like having good credit was a thing yeah and so that it was important to him to have good credit even though he didn't trust so he had like his one credit card you know what i mean yeah. like uh he was very particular yeah um, but yeah he was not like i think actually in my family it might have been an addict thing because both of my parents are addicts uh -huh. And it was like spending is also an addiction that my mom right, actually right. like had. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And she would spend way too much money. Like I remember the thing of like, you should put the credit card in the freezer for some reason. Oh, so, so you would well, use I think, it or something? Well, I think you freeze it in a block of ice. Yes, you don't that's just it, stick it, it in you, there. So <laughs> you that, don't just make it nice and cold you just, so you don't want to touch it. Exactly. <laughs> oh, it doesn't feel good on my finger. So I mean, for me, this. that would be a thing. I don't. There, I have some sensory <laughs> stuff. Like, I wouldn't want to be use enough. It. Yeah. So the article that I was looking at talks a lot about Little Shop of Horrors, which I know is another movie we've talked about in the past. So good. But so when I was researching this movie and I uh, had been challenged to find something academic to say about my <laughs> blue heaven. Um, I Googled Steve Martin and the word masculinity. And I did this because Steve Martin in this movie and most of his movies has a very interesting like way of behaving where he's kind of parod parodying over the top masculinity, but in such an unconvincing way that it doesn't come off as like, threatening and it comes off yeah. as very aware mm -hmm. of it of it's like, like almost like he's doing it's like drag like yeah 
Yeah. Like, he's like a guy drag king, almost. Right. In a lot and of- so when I Googled that, I found this article. Um, it's just a blog, but um, it's a blog called Home Theater of Cruelty. It's on WordPress. And it's the article was The Campy Masculinity of Steve Martin. Perfect. I know. And I... It's, we should link it in the show notes. I, mm-hmm. I, I don't know who this person is, so I can't vouch for them, but it's, I, the article was actually really interesting and talking about, um, it specifically references Little Shop of Horrors and his role mm-hmm. as the dentist and how that's the only movie where he really doesn't, where he full goes full, um, toxic. Yeah. Basically. Let me read that little bit. So... Um, in this article, uh, this person says, um, Martin's work tends to rely more on a keen sense of irony than shock or disgust, but there is at least one glaring exception from his long career as a comic actor. Instead of satirizing overblown male confidence and self-regard by holding it up for good-natured mockery, which is kind of what we were talking about, for this role um, as the dentist in Little Shop of Horrors, Martin took his self-aware embodiment of faulty masculine qualities to its logical extreme. That would be his performance as Oren Scrivello, the abusive, abusive, sadistic Elvis impersonating dentist from 1986's Little Shop of Horrors. Um, everything about Scrivello screams masculine, the black leather jacket, the motorcycle, the overconfidence, the condescending sneer, the exaggerated El- Elvis-isms. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I do think it's interesting to think about like Steve Martin as a, he kind of lives in a no man's land when it comes to this, like impressions of masculinity yeah. on screen. Like, I don't think of, there's not, I'm sure there are plenty of other people that have this sort of soft playfulness, but also, I don't know how to explain it. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, well, and I think you don't know how to explain it because it is really unique. I'm trying to think. And there are people – because – And is it like of its time maybe? I don't know. Because I love it. Yeah, because I keep – I'm interrupting myself over and over again because I'm thinking of examples and immediately shooting them down. Because there's like – you know, I I love a a continuum or a dichotomy. I know those aren't exactly the same thing. But, (laughs) you know, there's like – I'm thinking of other actors that he's worked a lot with, like a Martin Short, um, right? Who has or the Rick playfulness, yeah. or Rick Moranis, who has the playfulness part down, and the like, uh, sort of like playing in tropes of masculinity very differently, where it's like, right? What They're they, missing the bravado. Yeah, exactly. And yeah. then there are actors who have the bravado but can't also. And I think part of it is his physicality because he is yeah. just like a tall, handsome, Lanky. distinguished-looking, yeah. like man and so when he puts on the playfulness part like he kind of has i'm thinking john john ham was my first thought for today mm. but he doesn't interesting but he's not clowny enough like no he's not yeah he's actually even he's surprisingly funny but he's not yeah. goofy in the same exactly way. Yeah. exactly that's what i mean i can't think of anybody who who is who does this that way no i totally agree um, later in that same article, it says it's so it's still talking about the dentist saying it's extremely it's easy to imagine Martin playing a serious version of the role and do an extremely good job of it. His comedic take on the mm-hmm. character demonstrates he understands the mess of anxieties, fears and fetishes that make up a man like Scrivello. Um, and so I think that's really interesting. The idea of like he could play this straight. That's kind of going back to what you were saying about how like 
he does, you know, he also has the ability to play this in a serious way, but he doesn't, he doesn't do it. Right. Right. So the end of the article just says, um, and somehow Martin's Martin performs the role in a way that makes Scrivella both hilarious as well as frightening, impossible to take seriously as a person, but still an ever looming danger to everyone around him. Scrivella is pathetic in every way that matters, but he's also a paragon of the virtues society idolizes as the peak of masculinity. In other words, a Steve Martin character. So I, I just, I think it's a great, it, right? a great take on kind of what I was thinking about when I like Googled that, because I, I do think that he has a unique place Mm-hmm. in that sort of world. Yeah, so I'd be interested to hear from our listeners if they can think of anybody who like can f- who they feel like occupies the same space hmm. as as Martin cuz I really can't think of anyone. Yeah. What do we Okay, I have another question for you about this. Um so a lot of the movies we've watched have um had the patriarchy as the enemy, right? Mm-hmm. That's kind of a theme that we've un- right. inadvertently uh, stumbled on. What do we think about the portrayal of the women in this movie? Because it's not fully stereotypical, but no. it also kind of is. Well, they're all pretty thin, but so are like even Cooper Smith and Antonelli yeah. have, you know, they don't have rich interior lives. Um, right. Because so, what do we have in this movie? You can either be a Stubbs type, which I think uh, Cooper Smith's first wife sort of is. Right, mm-hmm. the women are smart, humorless, up. Yeah, or you get a Chaldine, um, or a Crystal, who are mm-hmm. like more free and open, but maybe a little sillier. Right, right. Yeah. Is there and anybody <clears throat> sort of beholden to the men in their lives in some like worshipy kind of gross way? Yeah, and I think the only one who changes it all throughout the movie a little bit is maybe, well, I was going to say Hannah Stubbs. I guess she loosens up a little. I think she does change throughout the movie. Yeah. I think that, I think that, um, not like drastically, but like, I think the dance scene with Barney is supposed to show us that she's like, loosening up up. yeah yeah. and like you know she goes from well i guess that's more of a barney thing i was gonna say she goes from like allowing her ex-husband to just barge into her house but he's the one that kicks him out right she's happy about it but but yeah. yeah i think i don't think she has a big character shift i think she becomes more open to letting barney in right and you know the way that Vinny affects every part of this community he also does affect her yeah life too obviously like with with the kids and all but i think she gets to be herself throughout the movie it's yeah. just what we see of that is pretty thin right and i think that's kind of the case i can't think of any of the women in this movie no i think you're right i think she has more backstory than she would have if this movie had been written by a man <laughs> totally because she yes. does have a personality she likes mm-hmm. baseball she you know kills her son's turtle uh she you know she has a a personality that's not just a reflection of the men around her necessarily right. um or and, isn't just seen through their eyes 
Like she has and, private moments. Yeah. Yeah. It passes the Bechdel test. Like she does, does. have conversations. <laughs> They're mostly about the men in the movie, the conversations she has with other women, but. But it's because, but it's not in like a romance way. It's like in a, she, if I thought what you were going to ask me was patriarchy is often the villain. Who's the villain in this movie? Mm. And there kind of isn't one unless it's the mob or Hannah Stubbs. <laughs> like, like right. who's getting in the way of what these of what our protagonists want to do. Yeah. And it's the two hitmen who show up sometimes. Maybe and it's... Hannah. <laughs> like, so... is, it, is it cops? <laughs> is this movie anti-cop? Even though Barney's... Well, because Barney's an FBI agent, which is still a fucking cop. But like... Yeah. But but it's a, it's a little different. But I, I think that him being... Well, so him being a FBI agent and Hannah being a cop... I think are part of the reasons that they're not seen as fun. Right. They're not, oh, totally. Like, you know. Well, and at the end of the movie, you said, you know, and I know you were being like kind of both ways about it, that uh, his big, that Vinny's big scam at the end is stealing all of the money by claiming that it's for this yeah. baseball, new baseball, not stadium, baseball field yeah. uh, for the little league team. And, he makes a phone call while he's in jail. And the nice thing about having a crime ring already set up is you have a lot of resources at your disposal. Especially in construction. And, yeah. Ex- oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and man, boy, is this movie. See? You want to call this movie silly. It seems pretty accurate to me. Yeah. And it takes, you know, all of however many days he's away. Very little time to break ground on this yeah. field. And there's a scene that is very, that I, I really love right at the end where. Hannah's like, you expect me to believe or whatever that that this has been happening all along yeah. and that he actually and Barney says like, yeah, I, I do. What do you say? And he's like, yeah, what he means is like, no. And, you know, I'm lying and I know I'm lying right. and we're both just going to agree because it's better. For, and it's like, that's a huge like yeah it's... violation of your job yeah yeah which i love like good yeah. for you guys yeah. like and now this whole town has just decided it's going to be a little illegal all the time like yeah and so in that way it is kind of like it's anti it's certainly anti like uh law and establishment in a way yeah it's anti-small town cop it totally is like the re- the places where we like the characters their officers the best is when they don't do their jobs yeah and you the know like crystal about... runs off with with steve martin and with says, just say i'm your hostage yeah and when that's so funny i really hadn't thought about that until just now but like the thing that solidifies barney and hannah's like love for each other in their relationship is turning their backs not turning their backs on their jobs not leaving their jobs it's actually even more of a big deal is lying yeah. about you know what i mean yeah. like this huge case that's yeah. amazing i love that yeah it's anti it's anti small town cop uh-huh i'm cool with it <laughs> oh god that's funny I don't know that I have much more to say. This was just such a romp. Yeah. There's, this is, it's a nice little, yeah, fun little. I mean, we had, we had, you know, scary horror shit for all of October, mm-hmm. which actually turned out to not be that scary, but, but dark. Yeah. Dark. Yeah. So we needed a, uh, like a lightness. Yeah. And if you haven't 
had your fill of Jody and I talking about horror movies, keep your eye on um, mm. the New Jersey's The World Patreon because we'll be over there talking about the last broadcast um, the later this week. I'll share that episode. Movie. Please watch that movie, everybody. It's free to watch on Tubi and I think a few oh, other places. My God. Please go watch the last broadcast. It All I'll say here is that we... We proved just by timeline that it couldn't that Blair Witch couldn't have ripped that movie off. Yeah. And then when you watch the movie, they're not, doing they're extremely doing different. different things. Yeah. Please go watch the last broadcast. It is it's bananas. fucking wild. Yeah. Save it, it is wild. <laughs> but it is wild. Um keep your eye. I'll share that episode on our Instagram. Oh at, my um, god. What is our Instagram? Watchers Pod. Watchers Pod NJ. Yeah. No. Fully insane. Movie. Please go watch that movie and let us know what you think. Even if you don't listen to the episode, actually, I don't. That's fine. Yeah. Um, but but if you need a little more horror from me and Jody, that's I guess that's <laughs> that's one. You ready to tell us what we're watching next week? Next week's movie. Full caveat: I have not seen in probably twenty years, um, at least. I am. I chose this movie because we're on a dad movie kick at the moment. We're going to be doing another dad movie in a couple of weeks. That is Andrea's pick. Um, we will tell you what that is later. Um, but one of my dad's favorite movies, he loved stupid humor. He loved the airplane. He loved Steve Martin. He loved, you know, Caddyshack. Like that was, we're in a dad movie area right now. And so... I chose one of my dad's favorite movies that also stars someone Andrea and I are very fond of for another, uh, from another movie. We are going to be doing a very silly movie called Top Secret. I, this movie. I'm excited I, that you have a movie that your dad loves that I haven't seen. I know. It seems like that it's, should be impossible. It seems point. like you guys have seen all the same movies. So mm -hmm. I'm glad there's one that you were missing. Um, I was unsure if we should do it because, again, I haven't seen it in a really long time. I guarantee there's a bunch of misogynistic shit in it because there isn't a lot of movies from that time period, especially this type of screwball comedy often relied mm -hmm. on dumb jokes at the expense of the women in the movie. So that will probably be coming. However, Val Kilmer um, in this type of role is one of my favorite things. Yeah. Um, let me just read a very quick synopsis of the plot of this movie one sentence an american rock and roll singer played by val kilmer becomes involved in a resistance plot to rescue a scientist imprisoned in east germany i it just already... it's so silly i love this because it already sounds to me like it could be like a dean martin and jerry lewis movie like right. that that like simple one sentence here's yeah. your character like it feels timeless and Something we talked about earlier is when I said they don't make movies like this anymore. Like, mm -hmm. that's the kind of movie that I'm talking about. It's... Yeah. And this definitely is sending up a lot of those earlier types of movies. Like, it's mm -hmm. a parody. It's like the airplane part two kind of like. Hot um, shots, naked gun. Exactly. It's so in that universe. Um, and so. The thing that pushed me over the edge with whether or not we should do this movie was I found out that this is one of Weird Al's most favorite movies of all time. He says it's one of the funniest so movies, funny. if not the funniest movie ever made. And we respect Weird Al's opinion in this house. Yes, that's um, right. 
If you don't like it, you can leave. Yeah. (laughs) So we are going to go for it. We're just going to watch Top Secret. We're going to hang out with my dad for another week. Um, Hey, Jody, I hate to break it to you. What? My dad's dead. Oh, my God. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. I'm allowed to do dead dad humor. (laughs) I am. My dad is also dead. I know. Just so everybody knows, just for our <laughs> listeners, that wasn't me with a living father laughing at Jody's no, dead dad. Also, that's true. Uh, but uh, the, yeah. But I also wasn't going to say <laughs> I hate to break to you, dad's your dad's dead. dead. <laughs> you could you have, said, but I would have laughed. But go ahead. You said one more week, and you and I are on a podcast together. And I promise you, at some point, we will watch more movies that your dad loved. Yes. So yes, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> oh, God. If we can't laugh, what can we do? Oh, my Lord. So, okay. Top, Street, Top, Top Secret. Secret is available. Um, similar. Unfortunately, again, it's not a free one. I don't think I couldn't. I didn't look very hard. I also want to say that if our listeners have suggestions of movies that maybe they think we're missing, we may yeah. not do them if they're things we've both seen or, or you know, don't quite fit our vibe. But But yeah, we're always open to suggestion. Absolutely. And do it now because once we get a million downloads a week, we're moving that right behind the paywall and then you'll have to pay good money to suggest a movie. But now you can do it for free. Right, right, right. Yeah. Yeah. When when we become the next, uh, I almost said Joe Rogan. Oh, boy. When I thought of a... Doughboys. Yeah. There you go. All right. Well, thank you for, like, you know, giving me this little bundle of delight to <laughs> occupy me last night i'm so glad you thought it was fun of course it was fun i knew i wasn't gonna not like it i mean it's mm-hmm. steve martin it's just a different kind of humor it's a kind of humor that i don't necessarily gravitate towards now as a serious you know well, humorless real- woman <laughs> um but that i that i loved as a kid because my dad and i would watch this kind of thing together well, and that's just real quick. I know we're we're wrapping up, but I remembered there was something we said at the beginning of this episode that I want to just talk about for half a second is you said it's not the kind of humor you gravitate toward. And then, and I keep saying like, they don't make movies like this anymore. And I don't know if that's true. Maybe it is just that yeah. the only movies like this I'm seeking out are the ones that were already encoded yeah. into my DNA. Right. Um, the only one I could think of was uh, that movie Stuber which was uh, Dave Bautista and Kumail Nanjiani. And I have not Kumail, seen that. Oh, man. I, I mean, weirdly, I love Kumail. It's, not, it's, again, not a movie I would have... Well, maybe it's a movie I would have sought out because I love Kumail so much, but um, they did a screening in Philly that Kumail and Dave Bautista were at. Oh, nice. And um, it was one of those things where if you responded quickly enough, you could go. It yeah. wasn't like... I, there was no reason I should have been there otherwise. So I went to the screening because I'm in love with Kamal. Yeah, and as so you should be. I was like, I will go see this movie and maybe get to put my eyes on Kamal. I'll wear, they gave out t-shirts with um, full Kamal's face um, and Bautista's face and I got a Kamal one. I'll wear that next oh, week. Oh my God. Um, I mean, if you ever want to fall in love with Kamal Nanjani, just look up him playing with kittens on YouTube. There's one just, of those like interview just... shows where they ask them questions while they play with tiny mm-hmm. animals puppies or kittens yeah. or yeah um i also really loved his podcast um he and um uh emily gordon his his wife i was yeah. trying to not say his wife first because she's so fantastic yeah. on her own yes but they're a married couple and they had a podcast together during covid that was just fantastic um 
indoor kids i think it was yeah called. it was indoor kids um and uh he also did an x-files podcast for a while that they never finished that i also loved anyway so yeah. now this is just the we love Camille happy hour yeah but um point being that movie was a put two oddballs together right. in a really specific situation and see what happens um but it's still a little different um it's not they're both kind of fish out of water in that one but um so yeah, yeah so i don't know i don't know if we have any I know. I mean, slapstick comedies do still exist. I just don't know if they have the charm that I think there's something about the specific actors, maybe, and the directors of this time where it was like in the air that this silliness was like desirable. Well, there's a playfulness. And it's and I've said the word sweet so many times in this Mm -hmm. episode. But I think maybe that's what's missing from those movies today. Yeah. And they're so uh, but I think you might be right about that. And that's based on nothing but intuition so we could yeah. be wrong but i Listeners, i do think this we could think of anything else maybe missing because yeah. even <laughs> i don't want to get too ahead of ourselves but even in real genius a movie that you and i both love a lot of it is that friendship fish out of water like love story between the two male characters mm-hmm. that um that drives the movie yeah yeah for sure um have you watched only murders in the building I watched the first season. Me too. I, I loved it. I just I loved it too, but I just I was never really inspired to go back. Yeah. I think I felt like they were probably just repeating the same thing again, which I could be wrong about. If if you're a huge Only Murders in the Building fan, let us know um, that we should go back and watch seasons two and three. Um, but also, if you are, can you tell me? I had somebody. This is so. This is so such a side note, but this is such a side note. Maybe we'll cut this. One of my podcasts that I work on that I'm not usually on mic for because I just produce it. They asked me to be on mic for something recently. Mm -hmm. And then in their Facebook group, one of their listeners said, oh, my God, producer Andrea sounds like Poppy from Only Murders in the Building. She's from season two or three. And I looked her up and could only find her in that character in a big spoiler for the movie for the show. Okay. And so I didn't really listen to her and I can't find her talking anywhere else. Okay. So I would love for our listeners who hear me babble on plenty every week, <laughs> who have seen Only Murders in the Building, to tell me if I sound like Poppy from that show. Okay. I was offended immediately just out of instinct. <laughs> I don't know if I'm supposed to be. Right, right. So yeah. let me know. Having only seen the first season, I cannot uh, help you yeah. with that. At the Watchers Pod NJ, let me know if I sound like Poppy. Yes. And there's no the. Did I say at the Watchers Pod? Mm-hmm. I'm unwell. At Watchers Pod NJ on Instagram and formerly known as Twitter. <laughs> um, where can they find you personally to tell you if you sound like Poppy or not? At the AQ, no, at AQ <laughs> Andrea Q on Instagram and uh, Twitter, I guess, if you want. Yeah. And you can find me at my personal email or not personal email, no, <laughs> cut. <laughs> I'm not giving that out. Oh God, I'm tired. Um, you can find me at my personal Instagram at Jody underscore Mim, J-O-D-I-E underscore M-I-M. It is my art account. So if you like art, like Steve Martin. Oh, you didn't even get to talk about that. I didn't get into his art collector. It's not, it's not important. Steve Martin is a art collector, uh, extraordinary, extraordinaire. He's an extraordinary art collector. He's an extraordinary art collector. Um, fascinating man. But we're going to go now. 
<laughs> I can't think anymore. Uh, and we'll see you next week. Not in the in woods. East in East Germany. The, in, the, in East Germany. Yeah. We'll see you in, in East Germany. Pre-Berlin Wall. Falling. <laughs>